Welcome to the OBX Fishcast. I'm Jody O'Donnell. This program is released each Friday. Of course, we cover the area of fishing, but we also cover the area of fishing news. Sad news to report the passing of legendary captain and boat builder Omi Tillett. Got a chance to speak with our very own Captain Marty on the matter. Yeah, we're talking about Captain Omi Tillett, who passed away last night and, um, Got got a message from the offshore fleet just a little while ago with that news. And, you know, for starters, for our visitors, if you've ever been to Sam and Omi's resident, uh, restaurant, you'll know that uh, Omi was uh, who it was named after. His father was Sambo. And uh, that used to be a little restaurant where they prepared people to go offshore fishing, fed them some breakfast, hauled them to the marina. But uh, Omi, I, I'll always say that one of the great things great experiences in my life is coming through this fleet when I had an opportunity to know and work with Omi Tillett. First, as a uh, as a employee in his boat shop on Candela Drive, uh, helped build the Carolinian and the Brothers Pride, spent two winters, and, you know, I was just fresh out of high school and needed a good fatherly influence, and Omi, you know, a very, very strong man of faith, and, uh, you know, we talked a lot about that kind of stuff, and I learned a lot of the basics of boat building with one of the true legends. I didn't know it at the time, but he's certainly also responsible for the new Carolina-style boat that kind of changed over from the Harker's Island style of overhangs and blocky cabins to the rounded cabins and big, sharp Carolina-flared bows. And, man, I tell you, it was just neat to be a part of that. And then as time went on, I became a captain, and... Omi was very much a mentor to me, not just me, but to everybody. And he always would share whatever he had. If he pulled up to a log and there was 30 mahi around it, he would share 15 with you. He um, he was a great person for teaching the younger captains. Like, And he was wise beyond his years, even when he was, you know, uh, working his way up as a young man in the fleet. Like one of the things I give Omi credit for is being the first boat when his mate was Charlie York, the first boat to switch from the wire leaders that we use so much of to the monofilament leaders. Everybody thought he was crazy. Those were all who were going to bite them off. They will never last. But lo and behold, now the entire fleet uses pretty much all monofilament leaders. And, of course, Omi's biggest claim to fame, uh, and not that he would look at it that way, but he started the prayer out there uh, in our Oregon Inlet fleet. Now, you got to remember, it's a pretty salty place around there in the 60s and 70s, but Omi, uh, having been a saved man, he started a prayer. And at first, I remember people would say, oh, boy, you know, we don't want to listen to that. You know, but then uh, in the morning with the sun coming up over the ocean and you're out there on one of those charter boats just steering offshore, you would have a, a need yourself. You're, somebody in your family was very sick or had passed away or you had an illness, or anything that you might need, and pretty soon you'd find yourself saying, Omi, can you please say a little word of prayer for my friend or my mother, whoever it might be? And next thing you know, Omi would say, well, how about you do the prayer this morning? I was one of those people, and and pretty soon many people in the fleet were doing the prayer, and then they added the, the hymns that some of the captains would sing, and that prayer spread to Hatteras, it spread to uh, Rudy Inlet, and from there, it's just spread up and down the East Coast where many fleets have a morning prayer. But I'll leave you with this thing because there'll be plenty of tributes and memories to Omi in the days that come. For one thing, there ain't no question where he went because he's at the great grass line in the sky with Billy Midget 
Chris Strouser and Arvin Midget and all the others we've lost recently. And, uh, you know, one of the things Omi did uh, all through his latter years was he had what was called the Holy Spirit hug. And if he came up to you and you saw him coming, you better get out of the way or be ready for the biggest hug you ever got. He would grab hold of you, squeeze you real tight and say, I'm going to give you a Holy Spirit hug. And then he would go, like that. And you knew he was coming in a crowd because you could hear him wooing somebody else. And we all came to love that. And uh, all of us came to doing it ourselves. But, you know, God bless Omi and his family. He's probably the most influential man our fleet has ever known, both for faith reasons, for boat building reasons, and just being a real man. So God bless him. And um, Omi, you're in our thoughts and prayers. Jody, that's a little bit of a remembrance for you on this Friday morning. Marty, actually, I referenced him about a week ago. A friend of mine was retiring from his career, and mm-hmm. I said, the legendary Omi Tillett says you don't retire, you refire. That's what he always said. And, you know, even after he quit fishing, his boat's still at Oregon It's now the fantastic Dickie Harris runs it. But you're absolutely right, Jody. He spent many, a many hours in a boatyard underneath younger captain's boats giving them tips on how a boat ran, the running gear, the hull, any kind of repair. He, he just loved being underneath a boat in a boat yard. He worked with Paul Spencer and John Bayless, and uh, his his design things from him and Warren O'Neill will last forever. And uh, that's the one thing of probably of anything. that I, I worked in that boat shop with Omi, Bob Sullivan, Big Al, Tom Daughtry, Tony Tillett, and Mike Merritt. And I'm, and Lee Perry, and, you know, what a great experience that was. Well, Captain Marty, you know, it is a loss uh, for, for the area and, and the you know, the the state, the whole East Coast, the world for that matter. Omi Tilla, oh, yeah. a true legend. It's going to be all over, all over the social media today, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, he's our own. I, 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 I'm just one person, and everyone has said, I don't know of anybody that ever had a bad experience with him, so... Uh, you know, it's hard to see him go, but again, a lot of people will be joining him because of the way he shared his faith when the time comes. Now it's time to check in with Tony Lombardi. It's our Tips with Tony segment on the OBX Fishcast. And Tony, when you do a little surf fishing or fishing in the sound or basically anywhere, one thing you got to do is you got to be prepared. Right. Yes, Jody, you need to be prepared. Uh, being prepared can uh, be applied to most things in life, but we can't uh, stress the importance of being prepared when, you, when you're going fishing. You know, how many times have you arrived at your fishing spot and found that you forgot to bring something or maybe you brought the wrong rigging or possibly you brought the wrong bait or rod? Well, it happens to every one of us, including some of the best anglers. So, you know, when you're fishing on the Outer Banks, you must be prepared for just about anything. You know, in the spring you might find plenty of small species, or you might happen to run into a big school of puppy drum or bluefish. In the summer, the gear may be too large for our smallest species. And in the fall, the small rods and reels may even hinder you landing that huge trophy. So it's important to prepare, to to know the season and know the species. So during the early summer, which we are right now, I usually bring two rods with three rods when I go fishing, one light and two light medium weights. And I match the reels to and line to those rods. And usually when I bring those rods, I'll rig one, the light medium rods, with either a double hook bottom rig or possibly a homemade 
spotted ring uh, with a Doppler loop and and uh, some small hooks. On the other light medium rod, I'll I'll rig a fluorocarbon leader, and I either put a lead head or a gotcha lure, and and that that gives me the opportunity that I can fish both the the bottom and and I can fish the surface. Really depend on the the species that I find. Now, Tony, when it comes to getting out there in the surf, uh, right now, if you were going to go today, what would your tackle box and all your gear, what would that consist of? Well, I'd like to stay away from some of the real big gear because right now you're, you're looking at the summer species. The, the fish size are starting to, to reduce. You're getting some smaller species. And if, if you bring your big rod, uh, your big hunker, you're not going to feel that bite. And most of the, the summer species fish, when you're fishing on the surf, are going to be within 10 yards of, of your feet. Now, Tony, another thing you see when you're fishing in this time, and I guess this would go under being prepared, is be prepared to make a cast that's not so long. Exactly. You want to cast right at your feet. Most of the fish we're catching right now are in the one to two pound range. A lot of pompano, some sea mullet, occasional bluefish, but they're right in the surf. They're feeding on the sand fleas and they're feeding on the worms that are being washed out on the outgoing tide. And Tony, when you use you know some lighter tackle, that means the fight's going to be better when you're catching these smaller fish. It is going to be better, and you you can uh, check with your local tackle shop; they can help you set the drag because you can even catch a a larger fish on a small set of, of of rod and reel if you set the drag properly. So you know it's key to get that professional advice. Of course, fishing can be a bit of guesswork. Let's say you get out there. You get out there bright and early, Tony. You recommend getting there very early, right? Absolutely. Before breakfast. Before breakfast or going towards the evening hours. And But you get out there, Tony. You've made your guesswork. You show up and you realize wrong guesswork, but I'd still like to stay out here fishing. How do you adjust? Well, there's there's a lot of opportunity there. You You, you want to use a smaller hook. Maybe you want to change your bait. Um, maybe you want to have the bait moving, uh, or speaking of moving, I always move up and down the surf. I, I don't like to fish just in one spot. So your, your lack of luck may not be the proper, improper gear. It might be the proper location you are. You just, you have to read the beach and we've talked about how to do that in past podcasts, but it's important to, to know your surroundings and know your gear and have confidence in that and and you'll do well people hear the words read the beach if someone just comes down to the outer banks on vacation they might just think hey i'm just walking on the beach and, and throwing out some bait well you you, you can do that but you, you're looking for some type of depth of water, some structure, and you're looking for moving water. It's important that, that you focus on the, those three aspects. So when you're looking at a beach, if, if it's a flat beach and it's easy to walk out, the water's going to be shallow for a number of yards out there. And there's no structure. There's no place for, for a fish to hide or to seek, uh, to seek food. You really look for a cusp or a small hill. You look for gravel because all of those are indications where there's a, a, some type of a drop-off. And, a, and deep water in the surf is where most of the species are going to be found. Talking to Tony Lombardi, walkingangler.com. Tony, how long when you go out there 
and let's say things are starting slower than you anticipated, how long does it take you to change your plan? Well, I, I like to fish somewhere 10 to 15 minutes. If you're getting some bites, that tells you, know, tells you that you're in the right spot, but maybe your technique needs to be changed. But after about 10 or 15 minutes, you don't get a bite. I, I like to move down the beach. And again, you want to observe all your surroundings. You want to look at the water. You want to look at the waves. You want to see if there's any bait fish in the water. You want to look for birds. You want to look for sand fleas uh, scurrying in the sand. Those are the indications of, of you're in the right spot. And if you're not in the right spot, there's, there's miles of beach to choose from. I've just moved 15, 20 yards down the beach and, and then try your luck there. And you talk this time of year, you don't want the real heavy tackle. Sometimes it looks like you know, some of the more novice anglers, they might just grab some, some hooks and whatnot. Uh, what size hook would you recommend to someone just getting started? Well, I always like a, a number four or number six. I know they're a little bit small, but the species this, during this time of year are small. I, I, would, I would go with a, um, a J-hook for the more experienced and, and uh, possibly a circle hook for you know, our novices and for the, the, the young kids' session. And you take out, you're going to take two rods out? I take at least two, sometimes three, really depending on um, you know, the season. But this time of year, I'll, I'll take out two, and they're going to be light. I'm not going to have anything larger than a seven and a half foot. Now, are you going to work two rods at a time, or are you just going to do one at a time? Just one. Usually just one. You don't put one in the holder and one in the hand? No, I like to, I like to be able to fish the rod. I, I, if, if you put it in a rod holder and, and another species grabs it, even if it's a big fish, you might lose your rod, you might lose your reel, and, and be really disappointed. If we're going surf fishing either today or, or sometime this weekend, uh, what would you say is the most important thing to concentrate on? I think I would concentrate on, on the bait. Uh, make sure you have fresh bait. Don't oversize your gear. Don't oversize your hooks. Um, just put the bait on the hook where it covers the hook, not the tip, and, and, uh, and cast close in. That, that's where the fish are going to be Talking to Tony Lombardi with WalkingAngler.com. On the site, Tony, what's the most recent edition? Oh, wow. We've, we've talk, we're talking about the, um, the most recent is, is how the sun and the moon and the barometer affects our fishing. It's uh, one, of, one of the podcasts we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and, and I give you my take on, on how that works and how it aids anglers at catching more fish. Tony Lombardi, WalkingAngler.com, also... Frequent contributor to Captain Marty's Saturday extended edition of The Other Side of Fishing. Tony, tight lines. Thank you, Jody. Have a great weekend. How about a fishing report from Captain Marty? Well, good Friday morning, and uh, fishing was pretty good yesterday in some places. The offshore fleet at Oregon, I saw a couple really nice catches of tuna. Um, not not fleet-wide, but I did see some nice mixed catches of blackfins and yellowfin tunas. And I saw a few dolphin, not a lot of dolphin, but a few, or mahi. And um, there was a scattered wahoo caught in the catch. And some of the guys did a little bit of bottom fishing, have been doing a little bit of bottom fishing, coming up with some pretty catches of tilefish. Down to Hatteras, um, mostly dolphin fishing. Um, I think most everybody that wanted them picked out a few. And then they um, fished around a little bit, and I didn't hear much on tuna down that way, but there were a couple of sailfish caught 
and released. Um, so still not seeing the billfish we'd like to be seeing picking up for this time of year, but we'll see. Things will things will change. One or two cobias, several Spanish mackerel for Oregon Inlet, Hatteras, and Ocracoke uh, for the near shore fleets. Some of them did a little bit of bottom fishing, caught some sea bass. And then um, drop back into the Pamlico Sound, I saw where Tom Krause yesterday it got canceled on his charter. It could have just laid around and taken a day off from the fishing. But no, he took his little boat and went out fishing and caught a really pretty catch of speckled trout. Um, and they did pretty well yesterday. I talked to somebody else that caught over 50. Um, so mostly they released them, but there was really good speckled trout fishing in the sound. Uh, along the beaches, pretty scrappy. I did hear some Spanish mackerel and a very few pompano. There were some sea mullet. Mostly it seems like they were caught down on the southern end of Hatteras Island, um, down close to the ferry boat docks down that way. And then uh, going the other direction, <clears throat> we had a few sheephead call on some of the piers and uh, Spanish mackerel and occasional sea mullet or bluefish going that direction. So the uh, weather's pretty. Got some much-needed rain for the farmers, and uh, that's my fish report for you on this Friday morning. This has been the OBX FishCast. A new OBX FishCast will be released next Friday. I'm Jody O'Donnell.